0: Hi, welcome to Getting Better Healthcare. I'm Steve Feldman, dermatologist. In this program, we explore our modern healthcare system and what you need to do to make sure you get the best possible healthcare. Today, we're going to talk to you about healthcare, especially regarding people who have chronic illnesses. Our guest today is on the faculty of the University of Michigan. He's a professor of pharmacy there, He's an expert in research concerning patients with chronic illnesses and has done considerable work on how well patients use their medication. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Rajesh Balakrishnan. So, Raj, thanks for joining us today. Um, tell us a little bit about the kind of work you do.
1: Uh... Basically, uh, I am a pharmaceutical health services researcher, and uh, my research uh, revolves around uh, trying to understand the ramifications of medication use behaviors um, in large populations over extended periods of time. Um, so basically, uh, what I have in place is a research program which is uh, focused on post-marketing um, drug surveillance and uh, building uh, database capabilities to try to, ma- to understand um, uh, medication use behaviors over uh, extended periods of time.
0: Do I understand correctly that a lot of your work has been in the area of uh asthma and diabetes?
1: Uh y- uh yes, uh because a-, a lot of my work revolves around uh uh, trying to understand uh, the ramifications of adherence to uh, chronic medication regimens. Uh, work has focused on conditions uh, which require some type of controller pharmacotherapy. So obviously uh, conditions such as diabetes, um, asthma, uh, also conditions, skin conditions such as psoriasis and atopic dermatitis, um, as well as uh, some work um, uh, with uh, depression and uh, cardiovascular diseases.
0: These are some, some pretty major diseases that, that patients have. What, what are some of the biggest challenges um, regarding the long-term control of these uh, these conditions?
1: Sure. Yeah, one, there, there are a lot of challenges. Um, one is, obviously, um, you know, there, is a, there seems to be a real disconnect between um, physician prescribing of medications and patient use of medications as um, as indicated by the physician, and I'm sort of trying to do some studies to explore this. Um, uh, Unfortunately, at this point in time, we don't have uh, uh, capabilities uh, in nationally representative samples to try to completely uh, understand this this disconnect, but um, There are several issues, and and one of the biggest issues, obviously, is poor adherence to chronic medication regimens. This sort of varies by disease. It also varies depending on the complexity of the medication regimen. Um, Also, it's influenced by other sociodemographic factors. Um, uh, These include things like the the aging of the population, uh, presence of multiple uh, comorbid conditions, um, also, um, issues with access to medications and access to the most appropriate type of medications. Um, so there's a lot of issues uh, complicating this this process.
0: So let's just take one example. Say in the case of diabetes, mm-hmm. there's a. I think patients can take insulin. I guess there's some pills for people who have non insulin dependent diabetes
1: right yeah so uh, that 's true so for uh, in the case of insulin, obviously a very small uh, pro- proportion of the uh, of the population uh, roughly five percent has got the insulin dependent uh, diabetes, so those have to take uh, insulin. Uh, but about 90% of the cases are uh, non-insulin-dependent, uh, diabetes mellitus, which is, uh, which used to be diagnosed at uh, the age of 40 years and older, but now is, uh, uh, has become a major public health problem in the United States with the increasing prevalence of obesity and is now being diagnosed even in um, very young uh, uh, children. Um, one of the big issues with that is... Uh, Patients don't immediately start on insulin, but insulin is usually reserved as a last-course therapy when um, patients have failed 3 to 4 oral hypoglycemics.
0: So, so when they're on the oral medications, what, I, what I'm hearing you say is that they're not always actually taking them?
1: No, adherence uh, rates to uh, oral medications is, is, is better than some of the other chronic conditions like asthma, but it still sort of varies anywhere from 50 to 80% uh, compliance rates. Um, the rates are much higher in commercially insured populations, but when you look at populations uh, such as Medicaid... Um, uh the pop- uh, the adherence drops down to as much as fifty percent uh we also observe very clear um uh difference in adherence rates uh uh between uh white and non white populations so there's um uh, this is of uh particular uh, concern um you know on why is there why are there these differences and uh and uh and the access to uh to to primary care physicians, physician, primary care physicians' knowledge of uh, some of the diabetes medications, um, uh, all these are issues which are being explored as potential causes of uh, poor um, compliance to oral hypoglycemic medications.
0: Wow, so I'm sure there's a lot of companies out there trying to develop better drugs, but if if the if patients are only taking the drug fifty to eighty percent of the time it sounds like there's a lot of room for improvement without even developing new drugs.
1: No, I completely agree with that. I mean, you know, I think um, uh, one of the issues which complicates things is, um, you know, the cost-effectiveness of uh, disease management programs in diabetes has not been fully studied. Um, and again, um, you know, a lot of the patient education and diabetes disease management is uh, reserved for patients' um, Uh, either who have very good commercial uh, health insurance or um, those who are sort of advocates for their own health. Uh, So what you usually find is that uh, the patients who are at the highest risk of developing poor outcomes for diabetes are not the ones who are usually attending the diabetes education sessions, and uh, so it sort of has the cyclical effect um, in terms of uh, in terms of uh, you know just pigeonholing those patients into poor outcomes for uh, for diabetes and. Um, and uh you know I, I mean there doesn't seem to be an easy solution, but uh, overall, I think uh, stressing the importance of uh, medications as well as um, lifestyle changes and making the patient uh, greater advocates uh, for their individual health is, is 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 warranted quite a bit.
0: You know one of the things we like to do on this program is to 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 identify for listeners know some of the biggest challenges they face and it sounds like some of the biggest challenges are internal that just getting people to to follow recommendations is is a is a huge issue
1: right i think yeah i think somehow or the other there is a there seems to be a disconnect between um the physician's advice and uh what the patient ends up doing and um and obviously, uh, you know the reasons for this deserve uh, greater study. Um, also, I think um, you know, uh, physicians uh, need to be made aware because physicians um, uh, the way the practice of medicine is evolving these days, um, uh, you know physicians Really, uh, do not have a lot of time uh, to try to understand uh, in detail uh, uh, some of the ramifications of the of of uh, uh, the adherence to their prescribed advice. Um, this also calls for a greater role uh, for uh, the non-physician healthcare professionals such as nurses, um, health educators, pharmacists, and so on and so forth to. Uh, to work, uh, you know, in a unified team uh, with the physicians uh, to sort of ensure optimal uh, health outcomes in the patient with chronic disease.
0: I wonder if there's any more that we can ask patients to do themselves to take greater responsibility for, for their health and health outcomes.
1: No, I think that is, uh, that is a very good point. I think, um, I think unfortunately, um, uh, you know, the way most of our health orientation is, is that um, it's not really preventative in nature. Uh, you know, there are so many things we can do as individuals to sort of stay healthy, uh, but we sort of usually wait uh, for uh, some of the um, the acute effects of disease to take their toll uh, before uh, one act um, actively starts uh, you know, changing their uh, lifestyle regimen. I think even very small things like um, alterations in, uh, in diet and uh, portion controls and, and uh, at least promoting some type of exercise uh, will have a huge, um, uh, huge uh, difference in terms of uh, reducing the prevalence and incidence of, of chronic diseases in the United States.
0: Well, that's that sounds like important advice. And, and maybe towards the end of the show, I'm going to come back to that and ask for your specific thoughts on things that people can do. Um, we talked some about diabetes. How about, how about asthma? Are the issues the same there? Uh,
1: the issues are somewhat similar, but they are also different. Firstly, the demographic is slightly different. You find a lot of children uh, who are being diagnosed with asthma so um, uh, the other issue which makes uh, asthma treatment a little complicated is that the first line of therapy is not um, is sort of an easy uh, to administer type of therapy. So in case of type 2 diabetes, uh, it's usually an oral hypoglycemic. It's a pill which has to be taken, usually metformin, which has to be taken once or twice a day. Um, Whereas in in the case of asthma, the first uh, line of treatment recommended by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, um, as as well as all the uh, respiratory societies, is the combination uh, of the inhaled corticosteroid and the long-acting beta-agonist. And uh, that is usually an inhaler. So um that is uh, again you know uh, there are some issues with uh, with uh, being adherent to the inhaler Um, And especially with inhaled corticosteroids, sometimes uh, patients have to use devices such as spacers to ensure that a proper uh, dosage of the medication has been delivered uh, to the lungs. So uh, that really complicates uh, adherence to treatment regimens, and um, and, uh, that's why oftentimes you find adherence uh, to asthma medication regimens are amongst the lowest of any chronic disease.
0: How do researchers like you tell how well people are using their inhalers?
1: Well, we have a lot of ways to do this. Obviously, adherence uh, measurement is um, is a very, very complicated phenomenon. I mean, the, the, you know, adherence is one of those, um, especially medication adherence is one of those uh, healthcare behaviors which uh, really no gold standard has been developed uh, for uh, for the measurement of medication adherence. Um, now, obviously, uh, there has been a lot of technological development, and and people have developed electronic monitors, uh, which actually uh, record uh, like the timestamp, the the date and time when the patient uses their medication. However, uh, these are okay to use in clinical studies, but are really not uh, very cost effective in um, in large population based studies. Um, the other issue also is. Um, uh, what, what uh, The other way we try to measure uh, patient adherence is by uh, use of um, uh, large prescription claims databases. Uh, we develop algorithms to uh, try to measure medication use behaviors over uh, extended periods of time. Um, and, and this way we try to measure adherence uh, without the patient's uh, uh, knowledge that he or she is being observed. Uh, some of the patient self-reported measures of uh, medication use such as um, bringing back empty bottles and patient logs are not very reliable because uh, oftentimes uh, there there uh, is, uh, uh, there is uh, some type of uh, 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 discrepancy between the actual medication use behavior and what is reported in those uh, self-reported uh, patient measures.
0: You're basically, you know, being... If physicians seeing patients in the clinic, basically, what you're telling me is that right before the patient comes in, they're dumping their medicine in the toilet uh
1: yes, I mean, yeah, i mean I think I think that's not yeah, I mean that's not a very reliable way of estimating whether or not the patient has taken uh the medication, just the physician asking the patient, but um. But I think uh, what would be useful uh, for the physician is if uh, I, I would imagine if a physician, uh, especially if it's a patient with a chronic disease, if the ph- uh, physician can get uh, some type of reports periodically of how adherent uh, their patient is. Uh, I think that could um, help uh, the physician counsel the patient. However, with all the issues with patient confidentiality uh, we have these days, um, you know, I think um, it's a long way before uh, this type of information becomes available to uh, the physician uh, as a guide to their uh, effective treatment of patients.
0: I wonder if some insurers have, have begun to take your message to heart because occasionally I will get reports in the mail, totally out of out of the blue. A report will come from the insurer mm-hmm. showing me the pharmacy refill records for a particular patient.
1: Right. They really have started that, especially, uh, you know, I think a greater number of insurers are sort of discovering that that is one of the Key uh, components to identifying poor uh, long-term patient outcomes is uh, to 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 find um, poor refill patterns and and uh, they have these uh, uh, they have these tracking mechanisms in place now uh, to try to identify those patients who um who perhaps need a little bit more prodding from their physicians to um uh, to take their uh, to not deviate from their uh, from the prescribed medication regimens.
0: I read a study that looked at the use of, um, well, it was prescriptions for some skin diseases, prescriptions for skin diseases, but it was a study from Denmark, and it seemed like they had a single national pharmacy system that allowed Uh Yeah, many of the
1: European countries do have uh, single um, national pharmaceutical systems.
0: Wow, what a great resource that would be for research.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, that it it would be it would be very great and um this is one of the reasons why uh, many of the European countries actually have um uh you know they have they require that uh, pharmaceutical manufacturers actually demonstrate uh cost effectiveness of 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 medications before they are even approved for marketing uh because it's usually the government uh which uh, which has uh, provides national health care insurance including comprehensive prescription drug coverage and um, actually covers all the cost of medications
0: now you mentioned Medicare and Medicaid, so it sounds like in the U.S., at least at some level, maybe it's a state-by-state basis. We, researchers can get access to pharmacy records.
1: Yes, uh, in fact, in fact, there are uh, there are some efforts underway in my research group right now to create uh, comprehensive national databases, uh, which cover uh, you know these these unique populations. Uh, however, you know, um, a large portion of patients in the United States are actually covered by uh, commercial insurance, and um, and also a, a growing number of patients are uh, growing number of patients in the United States actually do not have access to health insurance at all.
0: Wow. Well, there's a lot of lot of news about healthcare reform in the United States. Do you think um, any of these issues are are going to be addressed in that reform?
1: I I certainly hope so Steve um you know there is uh, you know this is this is definitely something we sort of need to do um, as uh, as one of the 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 most developed countries and one of the most powerful countries in the world uh, we just cannot afford to have um, a, a, a fifth of our population without um, any type of uh, health insurance um, and also, I think uh, we need to we need to put in measures to make health insurance um, Somewhat competitive because um, adding an element of competition uh, will uh, improve the quality of care and foster um, sort of uh, some price competition uh, which will eventually uh, ensure that uh, patients uh, receive uh, the most cost effective uh, uh, um, and the most uh, uh, efficacious uh, uh, healthcare services to them.
0: I think I think this issue of cost is one of the most fascinating issues. H- how how do you see the competition working?
1: Steve you need to repeat your question you're breaking off sorry.
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Um how how do you see this competition um working?
1: Uh hello Steve can you hear me? Yes
0: yes Raj okay. I hear you fine. Um,
1: so basically yeah I I mean you know I think I think um I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously, I am one of those people who believes that, um, you know, at least for the portion of patients um, who are uninsured, um, the the government uh, starts, uh, you know, needs to get involved and start offering some type of low-cost uh, health insurance option uh, to patients. Um, uh, you know, and, uh, and obviously, um, you know, I think... Uh, uh you know we are in a very unique situation because on one hand um, you know uh, given that we are a free market economy and a capitalist country we cannot um, i think there's a lot of opposition to to nationalized healthcare uh but at the same time we are faced with this problem of a growing number of uninsured individuals uh, who are actually putting a lot of burden on the healthcare system so um, i think um, what the president uh, is proposing um um is um make sense uh, to have some type of an alternative mechanism um so that uh, some of these individuals are actually uh, covered for their health care insurance rather than being a burden on um on the emergency department uh, system in the united states
0: well well increasing people's coverage that sounds like a great idea H- how do you see do you see that as is providing a competition that will help reduce insurance costs, reduce costs of medical care in some way?
1: I think what it will do is it will provide sort of comparative effectiveness estimates. You know what it would what it would show is that there are other systems which can um, which can um, you know and and this is to, uh, obviously yet to be determined. Maybe the way managed care is operating is um, is the best way things are, and maybe the uh, the the government uh, if it if it comes up with an alternate type of insurance for the uninsured, maybe they won't be as, as effective, but what is really needed are more sort of comparative effectiveness studies, and therefore the push by, uh, by our president uh, to do more of these studies to demonstrate what works in what population and, and, um, a, and actually facilitate some of these comparisons across a diversity of populations uh, to actually try to understand what, what is the most cost-effective way of delivering medicine.
0: Well, that's great. Um, let's just take a little break here. You're listening to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. My name is Steve Feldman. Our guest today is Dr. Rajas Krishnan. He's professor at the School of Pharmacy. Is that right, Raj? That
1: is, that is right, yeah. At the
0: University of Michigan. Now, before we finish up, I, I, I'd like to see if there's if we can cover three or four tips you have for our listeners on things they should do, things specifically they can do to improve their health, or healthcare, or even the healthcare system nowadays.
1: Sure, I, I personally think that everybody should um, should make it a point to um, to uh, make sure that uh, they visit their physician at least once or twice a year. Uh, schedule. Um, uh, and obviously, uh, if uh, with increasing age, um, I would say if you're beyond the age of 40, you should you should plan to visit your primary care physician at least twice a year. Um, the other other tip which I have is if you are on a certain type of medication and if you are at the CVS or something and uh, you're asked the customary question, do you want the pharmacist to talk to you? I understand many of you are in a hurry um, to to get get out of that pharmacy as soon as possible and uh, probably pick up lunch or dinner or something, um, or head to work, but. Sometimes I I would urge you to take advantage of the opportunity and actually talk to your pharmacist about the medications uh, you are taking, uh, any type of interactions they could have with uh, any particular food uh, or other medications you are taking. Um, uh, You know, uh, take advantage of those type of opportunities. The other... um, the other uh, thing I would like uh, for everybody to do is um, try to be active in some shape or form. Um, you know, you don't have to necessarily go to the gym every day, but um, wherever possible, if, uh, if if you can get to a place by a short walk or taking the stairs, uh, please do that. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, one needs to eat right. While there are a lot of temptations around us, um, you know, and a lot of easier fast food alternatives which are available, um, you know, consider, uh, low-calorie, um, options, consider, um, uh, smaller portions of meals, uh, consider, um, uh, items which are, uh, not, uh, fried but rather baked or, or boi- or broiled, um, uh, so things like that I think will go a long way in, um, in generally, um, keeping you uh, healthy and, and free from disease.
0: Well, well, those certainly sound like good suggestions. How about for those patients who are on a medication? you have any special tricks you suggest for making it easier to remember to take the medication?
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, I think uh, you know there are several things you can do. I mean, nowadays there are also these. If uh, if you forget to take your medications, uh, there are these little pill boxes which are available in your pharmacies where you can you can uh, essentially divide up all your medications and put them into uh, little squares uh, and uh, where you would sort of remember to take the medications um, every time. I would also urge uh, those patients who have access to the World Wide Web or to Palm pilot or cell phone devices to set up reminder medica- reminder systems in those to uh, to remember uh, to take their medications as prescribed um, and then finally I mean you know you, w- you don't even have to rely on technology if you can um, if you can keep your medications at a place right next to your wallet or where you keep your keys um, you know to take uh, as sort of to remind you to take your medications I think uh, I think that's that's the way you need to do it. And finally, I would not discontinue any medication regimen without uh, proper medical advice. I mean, sometimes after you take medications within a few days, you start feeling better and, um, and you think that you're, you, are, you are all right, but um, in reality, uh, it may just be a temporary um, All right, situation, and by stopping the use of those medications, uh, those symptoms will come right back. So, please do not discontinue uh, medication regimens without um, the appropriate advice from physicians.
0: That that sounds like good advice. You know, if in the research people aren't using their medicines well, but in their diaries they say they do, and if similarly they're emptying the bottle out at home maybe into some other container so that when they go to the doctor, they can show the doctor an empty container. Maybe it's good advice to for for patients to be honest with their doctor. I mean, it's not the end of the world if you're not taking the medicine, but at least let the doctor know. Otherwise, they might make decisions that wouldn't no, be very I, sensible. No, I completely
1: agree with you, Steve, on that. I think, uh, unfortunately, there is so much of... Um, uh, is social acceptance pressure in in our country? Um, I just uh, I think it's all right to not be. I mean, we are all human. We all make mistakes, and uh, and, and and we are not careful about our health, and that's why uh, you know sometimes it's just genetics, and but sometimes it's because of your lifestyle uh, that 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 you develop illness. Uh, but obviously, you know, I think uh, patients need to trust their physicians. Um, need to make physicians their confidants and actually be a little bit more open about uh, about it also physicians on their part need to need to um, establish a rapport with the patient so that uh, patients will feel free uh, in discussing these issues with them and um, and obviously uh, reasons for um, uh, you know discontinuation or non-compliance with medications uh, can be easily identified and resolved um, just by uh, discussion and um, and by um, you know uh, a, a real understanding relationship between the patient
0: and the physician. Terrific. Raj, thank you so, so much for your time today. Uh, sure,
1: no problem at all.
0: That's our show for today. I'm Steve Feldman. I'm a dermatologist and founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. I hope you'll tune in again to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net.